Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. Praise God. Well, once again, thank you for those of you that are here today and just dressing up and joining in the festivities. I know that we didn't uh, do a really good job of uh, talking about that as, as well as we could uh, just because of the other event that we were doing. But uh, nevertheless, we just enjoyed doing life together and really just doing life with our kids. And so uh, we, we love the fact that they have the opportunity to come to a church where their mom and dad can say, you know what, we just like having fun with you. And, and it's all right. It's okay to do that in church. So thank you so much. Well, hey, we uh, started a series last week called Ghost Stories, and uh, I got a lot of feedback from just that first uh, message in regards to just how fear has an opportunity of controlling and dominating our lives. And again, it just seemed that many people said, you know, I, I began to identify some places in my own life where I've allowed fear to control me. And so we want to continue along with these lines of looking at just Ghost stories are how ghost stories have the opportunity of really affecting our lives. And really, again, uh, when we think about it, uh, there is this two sides of life, if you will. There is the natural side of life, and then there is that spiritual side of life. And God wants us to be led by the Spirit. He wants us to follow His leading and follow His directing. And uh, if, you, if you're not aware of it or if you're not uh, uh, prone to be uh, led by the Spirit of God or just follow His leading, you'll leave, live just a natural existence in a life of just doing things like everybody else does. And uh, I was thinking about just uh, a dream that I had several years ago or a couple years ago, I guess it was. And it seems for whatever reason, you know, God oftentimes will talk to me in dreams in, in, in the middle of the night. And sometimes they're not always real pleasant dreams, but God always will begin to give me the meaning of what it was. And so this was probably maybe two, maybe three years ago. I was having a dream, and one of the things my wife says to me, she goes, I know when something's going on when there's a dream because you start to breathe real erratic. And she said, you know, I can tell something's going on. And so one particular night I was dreaming, and it woke her up. And she said to me, she said, it really startled me. She said, because I realized that when you were breathing the way that you were, it wasn't something that was wrong with you physically, but this was something spiritually that was going on. And she says, all I knew to do was to pray for you. And she said, I just began to pray as you were there sleeping. And so the next morning when I woke up, she says to me, she says, what was going on last night? I said, well, why do you ask? She said, because you were breathing really, really weird. And she said, and I could just, there was something, I could just sense something. She goes, and so I just began to pray for you. And she said, you know, what was it? And I said, well, to be honest with you, I said, I'm just, I'm reluctant to tell you. And she goes, well, what was it? I said, well, man, it was so bizarre. I said, I just, I don't want you to think anything just because of the dream. So I eventually began to tell her, and I said, here's what the dream was. I said, we were in our house, and I said, as we were in our house, I, I walked into the back room where the kids were, and I said, as soon as I walked into the room, I said, I just felt this eerie presence, you know, just this devilish presence as I walked in the room, and then I looked at our children, and our children were pressed up against the wall, and I said, their faces looked like the exorcist. I said, you ever, you know what I'm talking about? She goes, Yeah. And I said, when I seen their faces, I said, I didn't pray. I didn't try to cast out 
demons. So I said, all I did was the only thing I could think to do was to kill them. And I said, so I killed the kids. And I said, and then I got so scared because I'm thinking, well, they'll never believe me as to why I did what I did. And so I took off running because I was afraid that, you know, they're going to put me away for the rest of my life. And I said, but they didn't understand. My kids were, I mean, they just had faces of the exorcist, you know. And, and again, just in telling that story, I was, I was like, God, there's something in that. And one of the things that I've learned that when God tries to, or when God is going to teach you something in a dream, you don't have to question whether it's God. You'll know whether it's God or not. Secondly, he won't take forever to tell you what the meaning of it was. And so uh, that particular afternoon, I was driving over to Battle Creek, and I was on 69 driving across. And I'm like, God, what was the meaning of that dream? And God said to me, he said, do you know how you saw your children and you responded he said, you responded in the natural. And he said, in responding to the natural, you tried to fix it naturally. And he says, and oftentimes, that's what you do. You try to fix things naturally. And he says, that's what the devil comes to do is to steal, kill, and destroy. And he says, and you can't fight him naturally. He says, how you're going to win the battle in these affairs of life, whether it's your church, whether it's your marriage, whether it's your children and your family, he says, you've got to fight the battle spiritually. Amen. And so why do I say that? Because these ghost stories, these things that the enemy tries to bring, these thoughts of fear, concern, and just these overwhelming pressures of life have a way to back you in a corner but God doesn't want you to respond from just the natural man he wants you to lean back into the arms of God and say God I know you've got this I trust you help me and direct me as to how we're going to get out of this amen and once again that's something that we've got to learn to do because in our existence in our life we will try to face everything head on when it comes to situations and try to fix it in just the natural arm of the flesh I've shared this with many of you. You might have heard me say this before. But when we had our children, you know, for most people, they enjoy when it's time to have the kids. It was one of the worst experiences of my life. Because when we go in there, you know, they're hooking you up to all the machines and the bells and the whistles. And then they leave you for a time and then things start happening and things start chirping and things start beeping. And they come in and they check things. And, and because I like to be in control of everything and be in, in, in hands-on, I just had to stand back. And I was at the mercy of the doctors. I'm like, God, can we just get this over with? This is torture. <laughs> I'm not in control and I'm at the mercy of whatever's going on. I just hated it. You know what I mean? And so, again, we just so oftentimes try to take it from God and handle it ourselves. And God says, if you'll let me help you, I'll put you over and I'll advance you in your life to experience the best that I have. Amen. And so today, one of the things that I want to talk about is this subject of unforgiveness or how we are to forgive offense. And you realize that unforgiveness is nothing more than fear in disguise why do we hold on to this unforgiveness in our heart why do we keep our guard up why do we keep people at arm's distance why do we choose to distance ourselves from people or uh, end relationships it's because of what has happened and therefore it is a fear mechanism that I am not going to be put in that position again this is my way of controlling it and therefore I don't want to experience that again and therefore I'll choose to Hold on to this so that I'll remember. And as long as I remember, it'll never happen to me again. Amen? 
Can anybody say, I can identify with that? <laughs> sure we can. Amen. Well, Jesus says something very profound here. He's speaking to his disciples in Luke chapter 17, <coughs> starting in verse 1. <coughs> he says, one day Jesus taught his disciples this. He says, betrayals are inevitable. He says, but great devastation will come to the one guilty of betraying others. It would be better for him to have a heavy boulder tied around his neck and be hurled into the deepest sea than to face the punishment of betraying one of my dear ones. So be alert to your brother's conditions. And if you see him going the wrong direction, cry out and correct him. If there is true repentance on, on his heart, forgive him. No matter how many times in one day your brother sins against you and says, I'm sorry, I'm changing. Forgive me. You need to forgive him each and every time. Jesus says there's going to be betrayals. There's going to be offenses. And he says, you know, they have their just, re their just reward. He says they're going to face the consequence if they don't repent from that. He says they got theirs coming. But what Jesus says, he says, I expect you to forgive them. He says, it don't matter what they did. He says, if they come to you and repent, he says, you need to forgive them. Now, it's interesting. He says this. He says, now, be alert. Be alert of the condition of your brother. And he says this. He says, now, confront them. He says, cry out to them. Tell them that they did something wrong. That doesn't mean to be your brother's watcher. Come on, we got a lot of people like that, don't we, in our families? People like that in our churches, not this church, but this church across the board, you know, that are just looking and waiting for you to make a mistake and waiting to jump on you and waiting to correct you and tell you what you're doing wrong. And that's not what Jesus is talking about. He says, when you identify that their heart is tender, he says, tell them, tell them that they hurt you. Tell them that they did something. And by you doing that, it gives them the opportunity to repent. Come on, how many of you know that there are people that hurt you and offend you just because they're ignorant? Yeah. Right? When I say ignorant, I mean they just don't know better. Sometimes, I mean, I, <laughs> I've seen people sometimes and talking with uh, individuals, uh, I, I won't use that scenario, uh, but they, they uh, <laughs> I want to use that scenario, but I won't use that scenario. <laughs> it's just too funny. But anyways, you know, people will say something, and there is genuine in their heart, but the way that it comes across, it's like, dear God. I mean, that would offend the most kindest person, <laughs> you know, just the way you, you made that statement. And they're not doing it. They're just being ignorant in terms of how they communicate. And so there's a lot of it, a lot of times, individuals don't know that they're doing something. And God says, or Jesus says, let them know. Correct them. Say, hey, listen, that really hurt me. And therefore, they have the opportunity to make it right with you. Amen? How many times have we been hurt by somebody and we never addressed it? And then we think to ourselves, when we're around them, when we're spending time with them, we're thinking, you know, you act like nothing even happened. You act like you never said that to me. You, never, you act like you never did anything to hurt me. And here you are laughing and cutting up. You're acting like you're my best friend. And you, you just act like you have done nothing wrong. And yet we're sitting there with our arms crossed and just feuding on the inside. Because we're remembering. And they may not have a clue. 
So once again, Jesus says, you let them know. What are you doing? You are purposing to make room for them in their life or in your life. I said, when you're purposing to forgive them, you are making room for them in your life. Have you found that as time goes on, it's a whole lot easier just to get rid of those people in your life? It's like, doggone it. Do me wrong once, shame on you. Do me wrong twice, well, shame on me. You won't do it a third time. But when we choose to forgive, what we're doing is we're actually making room for somebody to come back and have a part of our life. You make room. See, God sees the big picture. And what God really sees is that not so much you needing them, but they need you. I said, they need you. Because the Bible says that if they don't make that corrected, the Bible says that they've got something to answer for. So therefore, by you giving grace, it allows God to begin to do a work in their life because they need you. Those ghost stories can be pretty ugly, can't they? Because we start toying around this idea of choosing to forgive them, but then the ghost story keeps coming back of what they did, reminding us of all the pain and all the hurt. And the funny thing is, is that Jesus seems to say this so casually. He just says, listen, he says, if they do something against you, if they hurt you, betrayals, they'll come. I'm letting you know. So when they come, just forgive them. And like I said, it seems as though it's just so casual. But why isn't it easy? Because just as I said, the hurt, the offense will continue to haunt you. And the more you give place to it, it will haunt you. It will haunt you day and night. It will begin to talk to you in the middle, midnight hours of what somebody did. And as a result, it begins to affect your life. It begins to mess with you. It begins to create anxiety in your life. In fact, you think about those scary movies. If you've ever watched a scary movie, you know, the, the music starts playing. And when that music starts playing, what it's starting to do is build up expectation. And you're thinking, oh, dear God, what's coming now? And you're getting ready for an encounter of some kind just because of the music that is building up anxiety, right? Well, when we don't forgive, when you go to work, when you go to the family gatherings, when you go to church, what happens? You start feeling the anxiety build up you start feeling the 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 emotions and you're getting ready to have an encounter or you're expecting a run-in with that person because of the offense that is still brewing on the inside of your heart and Jesus says forgive and every single one of us are subject to this I remember one guy uh, this was an individual that man I thought we were I thought we were close man I thought we were bros And, and I mean this guy he had gone through some tough things in his life. He, he had had a brain aneurysm and was in intensive care. They thought he was going to die. We went up to the hospital and prayed for him. Man, God restored him, uh, got him out of the hospital. Another time he got in a severe car accident. He was in ICU, thought he was going to die again. And we went up there and prayed for him again, and God restored him and got him out of the hospital. And then, man, God just did amazing works in his life. And then he met this woman. He says, man, I want to get married. And so he said, will you marry me? So we married both of them. And then, uh, then her mother died, and she says, well, will you do the funeral for my mom and so 
we just had a relationship with this couple, and I'm thinking, man, we're, we're tight, man, and this guy's an awesome dude. And, and, and so we got talking shortly after they got married, and so they were consolidating what they had, and he was actually going <clears> to <throat> move into her house. And he says, we're having an estate sale. And he was telling me some of the things that he had, and he says, I've got this buffalo head. He said, it's a stuffed buffalo head on a, from a hunt that I went on years ago. And he says, man, it's beautiful. And I says, you do? I said, well, how much do you want for it? And I think he said he wanted like 250 I said, I'll buy it from you. Because, see, my downstairs is kind of like my man cave. I've got the pool table down there, and I've got all this, like, uh, western motif on the side. And I'm thinking, man, that buffalo head is going to go on that wall, man. I was getting ready for it. I, just, I could see this buffalo head. And no, my wife wasn't excited about it. But, I mean, I was excited about this buffalo head. And so I'm like, I want it. And he says, well, we're going to have the sale on Saturday. I said, all right. So I got a hold of him <clears throat> uh, early Saturday morning. I said, hey, remember, I want that buffalo head. And I didn't hear anything from him. And then I started to get that sick to my stomach kind of feeling, you know. And then I ran into him a few days later. I said, hey, I said, you saved me my buffalo head? He says, uh, no, I sold it. I said, you sold it? I said, man, I told you I wanted it. He said, well, you know, we forgot I said, well, how much did you sell it for? He sold it for $100 less than what I was going to pay him for it. And that really, I'm telling you, that really hurt me. You might say, you got hurt and offended over a buffalo head, but it was going to look so cool in my man cave, man. It was going to be awesome. <laughs> going to hang my hat on it or something. I don't know. Is this good? But that really hurt me. And every time I saw him, now he never knew it did. I just chose to walk in forgiveness but it took some time because I'm thinking dude I sat by your side in the hospital multiple occasions on two different opportunities that you were left for dead and you couldn't even give me a deal on a buffalo head you gave some stranger the buffalo head I mean so I'm saying every single one of us have this opportunity to get hurt and get offended but Jesus says you forgive so what do you do because it's the ghost stories that will come and remind you of what happened. And see, as I said, Jesus said this so casually in regards to forgiving. But his disciples recognized that this was a bigger thing. Because this is how they responded in verse 5. He says, and the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. He says, so that the Lord said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed you can save this mulberry tree be pulled up and be rooted and be planted in the sea and it will obey you come on jesus said just forgive and the disciple says man you're going to have to increase our faith you're going to have to increase our faith maybe maybe they're thinking about some of their mother-in-laws or something and think dear god you got to increase our faith jesus right see We've all got those things that we've got to deal with personally to say, all right, I'm going to choose to forgive. And when you think about that thing that you've been holding on to, and in the moment that we're talking this morning, that maybe God is looking for you to release that individual, that might seem real scary right now as we're even talking because you're going to have to choose to lose control of that which you've been trying to control. But here's the thing. When you choose to forgive, you tap into the power and the grace of God. Because the greatest extension of God's love towards us is that He forgave us. 
So though you think you're going to lose control, it's the most freeing, liberating, and empowering thing that you can do is to let somebody loose of the thing that you've been holding them to and choose to forgive. This goes even beyond just those things that maybe somebody has done to us or the offenses or the, 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 the betrayals. I mean, this can be defined in other areas as well. Think about it for just a moment. There, there's the individual that... Uh, was your boss, and they just raved about you, and before you knew it, they had to let you go. They had to fire you for whatever reason. Maybe the person that you thought would never be divorced, you find that they said they don't want to be with you anymore. Or maybe the baby that you raised, and you think about all those precious moments and how tender they were, but now you look at that teenager, and they're strung out on drugs. Or that individual that you said, for better or for worse, till death do us part, left too soon because sickness took them. Or maybe just those people that have done you dirty. You see, there are offenses and things that have hurt us. And we don't have to be bound to those circumstances, but we can choose to forgive them. Notice something that Jesus said here. He says... If you'll say to the mulberry tree, be rooted up, it'll listen to you. The word mulberry tree is actually translated as a sycamine tree. Remember I asked you last week, is there anything that you're saying, I'm sick of mine because I'm sure sick of yours. I'm sick of mine too, man. Right? Are you sick and tired of having some of that unforgiveness just consume you? Are you sick of yours? I know I'm sick of mine. I want to get my heart right with God, and I want to get relationships restored if possible. But Jesus makes this comparison to the sycamine tree in relationship to forgiveness. Listen to what it says about the sycamine tree. The sycamine tree is a tree that is found in the Middle East, and it is known to have the deepest root structure in all the trees in the Middle East, it doesn't need rain. It can thrive in the harshest environment. Isn't that wild? It doesn't need rain to survive. It has roots that go so deep, it can sustain itself. Have you ever noticed when you got hurt and bitterness in your heart? You don't need it to be watered because you got it stirring and brewing up on the inside of you just because you've got deep roots, man. I'll keep that sucker alive just because of how I feel about it, right? Secondly, the sycamine tree was the most popular wood to be used for caskets. So in other words, it was very closely associated with death, so in other words, unforgiveness will produce death, not life, within somebody's life. And the reason it was the preferred tree is because it would spring up and it would grow real fast. Did you ever notice how bitterness don't take any time at all to grow? It just shoots right up and think, how did it get there? Amen? Number three, the sycamine tree produces figs, but these figs are not sweet to eat. They're extremely bitter. And so the only people that would eat the fruit of the sycamine tree were the poor people. 
So that means that bitterness and unforgiveness will produce poverty in your life, and you don't even know it. In fact, when you think about a bitter fruit, what would you do with a bitter fruit? You'd kind of nibble on it and set it down because you could only handle so much. And then you might pick it back up and nibble on it again and set it back down. Pick it back up, nibble on it again, set it back down. Isn't that what bitterness does? And isn't that how we keep it alive? We keep messing with it. We keep messing with it. We keep messing with it. We'll set it down. We'll pick it back up again. Right? And then the fourth thing, the last thing in regards to the sycamine tree. It wasn't, or it is not pollinated like regular trees are. You know, regular trees are pollinated by bees that will come and they'll get the, the nectar and they'll go and pollinate the next blossom. The way that the sycamine tree is, is pollinated is through wasps. And what the wasp will do is they'll come and they'll land on the blossom and they'll sting it. And then they'll go to the next blossom and sting it. And through the stinging process, they pollinate the trees. And have you ever come in contact with somebody that carries that bitterness? Because they'll continually tell you of how this person stung me and how that person stung me and how this one stung me and did me wrong. Right? See, and Jesus is saying, when it comes to unforgiveness, it will produce nothing but death and destruction within your life. Choose to forgive. Choose to release those individuals. Choose to allow them to come into a relationship with you through the mercy of God. And here's one of the most significant things in choosing to forgive somebody. And this is what's really hard at times. Because remember they said, if they say, will you forgive me? And they're sincere in their heart that you are to forgive them every single time. And so what that means is that when you choose to forgive them, you're saying to them, I still believe in you. Whew. Isn't that something hard to choke down? When you're looking at the person that has done you wrong, and you've got to sit there and say, through the power of God, I still believe in you. And you say, but God, that's hard. Yes, it is hard. But we don't do it in the arm of the flesh. We don't do it with human strength. We allow the help of the Holy Spirit to help us forgive them and restore them back to a rightful place. Amen? Come on, is this helping anybody this morning? God's wanting us to come into a place of walking in that forgiveness. How do I do that? How does forgiveness begin to set me free? As you purpose to loose them of that wrongdoing you not only restore them with you but you restore them with God and the last thing as a pastor one of the things that I see continually and is probably the most profound thing when it comes to unforgiveness is unforgiveness toward ourselves does anybody know what I'm talking about because I think I am my own worst critic. When I look at myself in the mirrors, it's so easy to point out the faults and the failures. Right? Should have done, could have done, if you only would have done. And see, when we choose to forgive ourselves, the Bible says, Jesus said, recognize their condition. 
if you see him going in the wrong direction, cry out to him. Say, hey, I want to help you get corrected in your life. you got to do that with yourself at times. Say, hey, listen, it's not over. It's not ended. This isn't beyond repair. Forgive yourself and choose to be restored and allow the love of God to put you in a place of not defeat, but victory. Amen? So when I choose to forgive myself, here's what happens. When I choose to forgive myself, I shut down the operation of death. Remember said the sycamine tree likes caskets? Why allow the life and the love of God to begin to work? When I choose to forgive myself, I purpose to stop rehearsing and I allow myself to thrive and flourish. I shut down the ghost stories. When I forgive myself, I stop hurting other people. Have you ever noticed the more bitter you get, the easier it is to be critical. The less tolerant that you are towards people. Amen. If you've ever had yourself or allowed yourself to get in that place, anything and everything can be something that you want to chew on. Come on, have you ever found yourself letting frustration and bitterness and hurt build up? I mean, just let somebody slow get in front of you driving down the road. Right? They're sitting at the light and they took two seconds too long when the light turned green and you're like, honk! <laughs> right? Why? Because it's brewing on the inside. I said this to you before. In just my personal life, several years back when my wife and I were remodeling our house, we were associate pastors at a house, or at a church rather, we were renovating our house, and I was working for General Motors. So I was stretched thin, my emotions were high. You know, you, in those moments, you know, you can kind of chew on one another. And I remember while I was at home looking to find my hammer to do some work on the house that we were renovating, I couldn't find it anywhere. And I looked outside, couldn't find it anywhere, went around downstairs, couldn't find it anywhere. And I remember I finally went out into the garage and I'm thinking, where is my stinking hammer? And I didn't do it literally, but on the inside, I am screaming bloody murder. And I am thinking to myself, I want to kick, stream, throw, bust, break anything that I can right now because I am so infuriated because I can't find my hammer. But I thought, well, dear God, if I did that, then I'd have to repair the damages that I did. And so after that moment, it seemed like after that, I was just short-fused. And I remember driving into church one morning, and my wife said something to me, and I don't remember what it was, but it wasn't even anything of a big deal. But I remember when she said it, I mean, it hit me like now, and I felt my blood boil. I felt like my head was going to explode. I wanted to rip her face off. I mean, I was just like, ah! And I asked the Lord in that moment, I said, like, God, what is the matter with me? And God reminded me of that hammer. He said, remember that hammer? And I said, yeah. He said, you gave place to that spirit of anger. 
And because you gave place to it, it has started festering and it is carried over into this area and that area with your wife because you yielded to it. And because you yielded to it, it's real easy for you to yield to it a time and time again. What's the point of the story? If you'll yield to bitterness, hold on to unforgiveness, it will infect every other area of your life. Every relationship, even your relationship with God. Because you'll blame God. God, why, why did you let that happen? You know God loves you. Amen. Let's stand. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you to just take a moment to take some personal evaluation. I want you to evaluate your heart. I want you to evaluate some of your thoughts, relationships. If you find that at the moment you start to think about areas of unforgiveness, if there's a face that pops up, this might be a good opportunity just to say, God, I choose to forgive. If you're here this morning and you're saying, I'm so disappointed with myself. I'm disappointed with this person or that person. I want you to know that your choice to forgive will empower you to experience the freedom of God's grace. For God so loved us that He gave His Son and forgave us. No disappointment, no choice that you've ever made, any wrong turn, any mistake, it never caught him off guard. God loves you and God has forgiven you. In fact, he forgave you 2,000 years ago. When Jesus was on the cross, you were on his mind. And so in this moment, allow yourself to forgive that person. Allow yourself to forgive yourself. If there's been a face, a person, an event, let's choose to let it go this morning. If that's you and you can identify with that, say this with me. Say, Lord, today I choose to forgive, to release, and to let go that person. I hold them to no account. I ask that you bless them. I ask that you restore them. And God, I ask that you restore my relationship with them in Jesus' name. Say, I choose to forgive me. I let myself off the hook. I let the grace of God restore me, renew me, rebuild me, redirect me today in Jesus' name. Today's my new day. A new start. Being free and being forgiven. In Jesus' name. Amen. Субтитры
subscribe to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites, which can be found at our website, gvchurch.tv. We know that today's message has been a blessing to you. Thanks for listening. We are Genesee Valley Church, loving God, loving people, and loving life.